Welcome to day 16 of our Romans reading plan. We're very excited that you're here. I am very excited that Senior Pastor Brady Cooper is here. Pastor, welcome. Robert, it's good to be here. You have like a radio broadcasting voice here for doing this. Very professional. I like it. Thank you. I'm, I'm really, I've really just tried to like... I don't know, just feeling that. Yeah, yeah, just getting that that mindset. And so we're here. It's uh, day 16. We're in a really tricky passage of Romans. You selected these um, uh, because... Well, I, I, because nobody else wanted them. Right. That was kind of the reason yeah, for that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, you know, this, this uh, reading has been a heavy, heavy thing. It's been really neat to hear... Uh, uh, staff just step up and step into some of these passages. Um, I'm excited that you're here today uh, reading this one. Uh, tell us real quick a little bit about your family. I know you have a grandkid or two. Yeah, some people might have heard of that. Yeah, Amy <laughs> and I have been married uh, 27, a little over 27 years. We have two uh, two boys, uh, Will and Clay, and they are uh, Will's married has two two kids. Uh, his wife, Madison, they have Bradford and Charlotte, which we just love being around them and just have a lot of fun. We're at a, we're at a kind of neat stage in our life. We're empty nesters now, which is really different. So sometimes I get home at night and, you know, we don't have anything going on. I feel like super guilty because that's never been a part of our life. So we're trying to adjust to that. Don't send your kids over. I'm not saying that we want I'm, your kids. I was thinking, saying. you know, date night. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we're trying to figure that out. But no. We're having a great time, and Amy's doing really well. You know, she came through some cancer stuff in this last year, which was a hard thing in our marriage and just just difficult stuff, but it's been really good. She's doing great, so we're in a good stretch right now. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm glad you're here. You're reading out of the NIV today? Yeah, I'm reading out of the NIV because that's what I grew up with, and so I've always – I just memorized passages in the NIV, so I know – a lot of people use some other translations. That's just what I'm a little more comfortable with. All right. Well, you're reading Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Take it away. Yeah, I'm uh, super excited, uh, church family. You guys are studying through Romans. And Robert said this a little bit ago. Romans is a great book, but it's a difficult book. And we move into today and tomorrow, really, uh, some tough passages, but not not tough in, in a way that we might think. I think there's really a lot of meat there and can, can really help us a whole lot. And I want to say this before I get started reading. I'm not going to answer every difficult issue in these passages. I, I just, you know, for 2,000 years, people have been kind of debating some of this stuff. But hopefully I can share it a little bit of light, and it can be helpful for you. So let's pick up uh, in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, starting uh, to read in verse 26. Paul says, "...in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through words and groans." I think it's really important here to, to understand we're, we're picking up right in the middle of a section where Paul is talking about suffering as believers and how we're going to suffer as believers and what's the purpose of suffering to really grow us in our faith. And so certainly in this first century world that Paul is talking to believers at Rome, they've had intense persecution. There's just multiple believers every day that perhaps were losing their lives. So he's giving them some perspective on suffering. And he says an amazing thing, even in the midst of that, when we don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit begins to pray for us. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Another great thing here is when we don't, don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit's praying, and the Holy Spirit always prays in accordance with the will of God. So that's 
uh, that's an amazing thing. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever just been in that place, and I know I have, when you just think, man, I just don't even know what to think, what to feel, what to say. Well, the Holy Spirit alive within us is interceding for us, which to me is a great sense of assurance, and I, I, certainly it was to these first century believers in the midst of suffering. Then verse 28, super popular verse. Paul says, and we know that in all these things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That, that verse is an amazing promise. It's also a verse that's been taken out of context a little bit. It doesn't say that everything in life is good. In fact, this, this passage is just wedged right in the middle of this section on, on suffering. Paul's making just the, he's saying just the, the opposite, that life's difficult and we're going to have trials. But what he is saying is in the midst of that, God does some of his greatest work. If we love him, if we're committed to him, he's going to just finish what he started, which we're going to see that over and over again. Now, uh, let's look at verse 29 and verse 30. These are This is where the real rub is. This, these are some passages that are, that are difficult uh, for some folks. Now, before I read verse 29 and verse 30, a lot of the arguments that people have about these passages, Paul never in a, in a million years uh, wanted those kind of things to happen. Again, the context here is believers who are going through a time of, of suffering, and he wants to provide some assurance for them. Uh, he wants them to know that God finishes what he starts. Uh, he wants them to know that God has an, an unwavering love and affection for them. And really, this section should lead us to, to just worship. And so that's the context here. So verse 29, Paul says, for, the, for those God foreknew, and that word foreknew, it, it means that God from eternity past has set his affection on us. You know, to know in, in the scripture, anytime we see that word in the Old Testament that God knew someone, it's really talking about God's love or affection for them. So it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and, and sisters. And so there's that predestination word there that gets people all uh, really hot hot and bothered. But again, what Paul is trying to do here is encourage us that if we're in Christ, and again, he's writing to believers here, and so sometimes we, we can kind of take this out of context and make it say some things that it's not saying. This is meant to give assurance, and if you're in Christ, I think you have to keep these two things uh, in your mind, and these are good guardrails as we look at the, the remainder of this chapter and we look at the next chapter. Number one, God is completely sovereign. He is sovereign over all things. That is a great principle. And, and secondly, man is responsible. You and I are responsible uh, for the decisions that we make in our life, and so having to understand this. But he says, for those God foreknew, for those that he loved, set his affection on, he also predestined. Predestined what? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's will for your life. If you're in Christ, that, that God would grow you and sanctify you, which means just to grow you in holiness, to look more like Christ, that you might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that other people might look at your life and, and give glory to God. This isn't a passage that's meant to brought, uh, cause division. And those he predestined, he also called those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Boy, those are some big churchy words there. I mean, words that can get us get us a little bit confused. But really, what, what Paul is, is wanting us to see here uh, is salvation is a work of God from beginning to end. 
And again, this is in the midst. Again, this is in the midst of a section on suffering, and and one of the one of the causes uh, in the midst of suffering sometimes is we're prone to doubt our salvation or or to doubt God. And so, what Paul is wanting to say is, if 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 you're in Christ, you're in Christ because God set His affection on you before the foundation of the world. He called you. In other words, He drew you to Himself. John chapter six verse forty four says, "No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them." And then. It, it says that he justified us, which is an amazing word. It means he's rendered us innocent. If you're in Christ, you're completely free of all of your sin. And then he also glorified us. And so that that's written in the past tense. Glorification is what will happen when we step into the kingdom and we're done with sin. But what's so fascinating here to me is God, uh, in his scripture, Paul writes it in past tense as if it's already happened. So that gives us just some great assurance there. And then this next section, I'll work through this just a little bit quicker as we read through. This next section is really basically Paul just celebrating his salvation. And and when we really understand how much God's loved us and what he's done, it should lead us just to celebrate. Let's read in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? In response to what? In the in, in response that God's setting his affection on us before we're even born, uh, God calling us, God justifying us, and ultimately glorifying us. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Man, that's a great word. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So what is the, what is the best thing that the Lord had? What is the best thing that God our Father had, it is, it is His Son. And if He gave us that, how much more will He be able to take care of us in every circumstance and situation? Verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Is It, it is God who justifies. Verse 34, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And so, Paul's point here is there's no one that has any charges that can bring any charges against us uh, that that is going to have more authority than who God is. And in fact, God can't reject us because if we're in Christ, he would be rejecting himself who dwells inside of us. So again, this is just meant to give us just so much assurance uh, of our our salvation. Now, as we read on, uh, it says in verse 35, which is an amazing passage, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Again, what is Paul saying? There is nothing that we are ever going to face in our future that's going to be able to separate us from the love that God has for us. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. He's quoting Psalms of the psalmist here. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Uh, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an amazing section that just tells me in the midst of having so much fear in our life, um, 
that there is nothing that I will ever face. No pro- It doesn't mean that I'm not going to have big problems in my life. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to have big problems. What Paul is reminding us is God is bigger than all of our problems, and that gives us uh, great confidence. And when he says that we're more than a conqueror, again, he's not just saying that, that we have won a victory. What he's really saying is we've routed the enemy. We've been able to take the, the spoils of that victory, uh, and God's even using the difficult things in our life to bring about some great blessing. So this passage is meant to bring a ton of comfort. Again, what is he saying? I think he's saying here, if, if we're in Christ, God always finish what he started. So if there is evidence in your life that the Holy Spirit is there, then that should give you great confidence. God has started something and God is going to finish what he started because God has just unwavering affection for you. And I think that's the purpose of this section. I hope you're encouraged today as we study God's word together. Pastor, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so very grateful uh, that you did so. And we get to spend some time with you tomorrow. That's exciting as we step into chapter nine of Romans, day 17. For those of you that are listening, wherever you're at, on the road, at home, uh, work, thank you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.